All right, here we go. Everybody, um, there are schedules around. We, we apparently, we had a little confusion about when we were meeting. Hopefully that's cleared up. Take a look. If you see anything that we've, if we've got it wrong on any day, uh, you know, let us know if, you, if there's a conflict or we missed something. But, you know, we just kind of looked out through the day. Uh, through the days, yeah, good. I th did we go all the way to May, into May? May 25, yeah, so that's an optimistic little look. But that's all right, because there's a lot in the book. And, you know, we'll be here, and we hope you will, too. We'll do what we got. Um, I don't know how you found this, this chapter. I found this extraordinary in so many ways. I, I found it to be uh, just a very, very kind thing. I'm just, I mean, let's just start at the start, which is 40. You know, few situations make me as uncomfortable as being a newcomer in the church. I'm just going to pause here. And I just want you to think about how hard it is. I was driving by another church in town where it said, Men's breakfast, 7.15 a.m. Saturday. It's flashing on the sign. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, who would dare to go? Who would dare to go to that, not right? A man. Huh? Not a man. No, yeah, not a man, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly said. You know, that is, that is, that is, that is perfectly said. That's exactly right. Maybe a woman. Maybe a woman, but not a man. No, but I'm just saying if you're not a, if you're not a, if you're just a guy, if you're just a, because their men already know they're having a breakfast at 7.15, right? They already know they're having a breakfast. So why are you flashing it? You're flashing it for your stupid guys, which is a fairly high percentage, and what they're obviously flashing it for is that people who are driving by will come. But you're right. You just think to yourself, okay, so first I want you to pause about that. Then I want to, then I want to, I'm going to just start to, I should wonder if I, I wonder how brave, I said I was going to start to observe stupid things I've heard in the capital campaign. I guess I could, but see, you didn't laugh and so I shouldn't do it then. <laughs> uh, but sort of like, we don't need more space. There's room in my service. Yeah, in the middle of the night on Sunday morning. Yeah, there's room at 745. You tell me how many strangers with children who don't know about Jesus are going to get up early on the, the only day they have off because they're working overtime and come and sit next to you at 7.45 a.m. How many people are going to do that? I mean, that's just a, that is such an inwardly focused thing. You know, there's, there's space at 7.45 a.m. Yeah, there is because it's the middle of the night on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. There's space. Space for you because you get up at 4 because you have a, well, never mind. So, <laughs> all right, so, here, so here's the thing. I mean, think about other people. Think about hospitality is if anything, it's outwardly focused. So this is like the grand, it's not about you, although I will say the most, one of the most, probably the best part of this chapter is the end where it is about you, but let's not go there yet, okay? Because I thought the last three pages of this were as good as anything she's written for a reason that's not really obvious. But just sort of take this in, okay? If Jesus, if this is non-negotiable in the church, this is non-negotiable that the church grows. That is non-negotiable that the church grows both in numbers and in maturity. That is non-negotiable. If you don't believe that, you're not the church. Because after he dies, for the sins of the whole world, we all like to quote John 3.16, but only about ourselves, the last acts are, in his last days, he gathers the disciple and says, uh, it's time to go forgive sins. John 20, get busy. Go out and forgive everybody's sins. And then he says, um, just before he dies, he says, where it's time to go out and have the Holy Eucharist do this over and over and over again, get busy. And then he says, um, go out and make disciples by baptizing and teaching, get busy. 
And he even gives them the demographics, go from Jerusalem into Judea, into Galilee, into the whole world. He even says, if you think this is all about you, it's not, it's about hospitality. And so the text today, Hebrews, written to the Jews, you know, by whom we don't know, uh, maybe Paul, maybe Apollos, maybe somebody else, but the clear reminder that hus being hospitable, that, that, that bit we read this morning about being hospitable is tucked into this great book about Jesus being the high priest. He doesn't die for nothing. He dies for people, but they're people who don't know. You can't expect people who don't know anything. It's like, the, here's the second stupidest thing said in the capital campaign. Let's get a lot of new members so we can pay off the mortgage. I'm like, we can't get the old members to pay off the mortgage. So what we're going to do is get some people off the street who don't know anything and expect them to be more mature than the people we've got. Yeah, that looks like a plan for success. We'll chase that one down. You say to yourself, you know, uh, or I will just observe, I was in a meeting yesterday, which I, I tongue-in-cheek suggested this to my school board president, but then I heard it suggested in another meeting yesterday by the principal, at, by the director at Walther. What's Gillingham? Is he the, what is he? Whatever he is at Walther, you know, he said, if your school is really a mission, he said it about himself, but I've said this about St. John, if our school is really a mission, then why don't we charge the members full rate and make it free for non-members? If the school's really a if it's really a mission, I mean, if that's really what we're doing, if that's the mission, then why don't we all pay full blast? And I'll just I'll put the staff too. The staff could play full blast. They don't need to have free tuition anymore. We'll all pay full blast. And then we'll make it free for other people if it's really, he said that about his high school. If it's really, a, if this high school is really a mission, why don't we all pay full blast and why don't we make it free for, he said, we could have, you know, a couple hundred kids from the neighborhood. It's a tough neighborhood, poor neighborhood, right? They could wander in, ba-ba, here we go, what? And you'd have everyone drop off as members. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right, that's right. We suddenly have, suddenly, yeah, suddenly the Browns are no longer members. Uh, we love you, but we'd like to revoke our members, but we'd still like to come on Sunday. And, <laughs> That's right. That's you know the, the thing is that's the see Kirby does one of the things I Kirby does Kirby does tax for a living and so that's proof of original sin because here's what happens, Congress passes taxes and then there's a whole bunch of people in the Sears Tower who sit around and figure out how to get around it, right? That's the law. Here's the law and now we're going to get around it. See, so we say here's what we should do and then we just we just always are. We're so creative. Yes, we're so we can never. That's why the tax code will someday you know encompass the whole world because. You can make one more law, and then people will sit around, and they'll always find one more way to get around it, which means you need one more law. This is the way it is in your own life, too. You can just keep putting the law on people, and they'll keep getting around it, and you just keep put, which is why that's a deadly way to live, as opposed to the gospel, where that's all swept away, and you get everything, see? But I just, I just, I just point this out to you. Hospitality cuts in so many directions, and don't expect people who don't know Jesus to be more mature in Jesus than you are, right? How hard is this? Don't expect people who don't know anything about Jesus to be a better Christian than you are. Okay? Just don't expect things of other people that you can't even do yourself. Hosp few situations make me more uncomfortable as being a newcomer in the church where I know nothing and no one. Think about the bravery it takes to walk in the door here. Everyone else knows when to stand and sit and bow and smile. I think I've told you one of my saddest moments at St. John is Kit came early one morning because of the way our things were. And it was the early service. He even had to get up at 7.45 and come. And I sat him in a pew in a spot on the end. He was younger. Probably this has been four years ago now, or five. But for some reason, it was he and I together. So he's up early. And I set him in a pew like this at the end where I can sort of keep an eye on him. 
so he's sitting there and he's there 20 minutes before the service and he's reading the bulletin and a person came in from the door, I kid you not, and did this to him. I'll use you. Did this to him. And, it, I, and I just had to be looking out and he goes like this. Goes, here, now here's an old person in the church who's doing this, like just standing this close over him. Well, he got the message, which was what? Yeah, you're my seat and move. Now, he was there first, and he was there earlier than that person, and he's a kid in church at 745, but what? Yeah, exactly. Because it's not a, because I'm more important than you are, and that's my spot, and I've been sitting there for, and why would you, and you're, and, you know, so we say, we want kids, and we're a mission, and we want people, and here we go, and then when they come in the door, yeah, okay, so I just, you know, he didn't say a word. He, he said what all kids do. He kicks the ground and looks around and moves on. No, I mean the guy, the guy that... Oh, I never talked to the person who did it. I just observed what happens in my own church. The message was completely clear. I mean, I know, but why wouldn't you talk? Because most of my life, real on, and this is the last three pages of this book, most of my life as a pastor is on the edge of trying to figure out whether I'll do more damage to people by talking to them or not talking to them. There are some things that are very clear, okay? There are some things that are very clear, like very cool good works, that is fun to praise that and engage that, and egregious sins. But the honest to God truth about most of you and about me is that you're not a big enough sinner to cause a ruckus over. But your little sins add up until it's hell on earth, just to be real honest with you. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. And, and so what happens is, is what, and this is, this is a very difficult thing. We talk about this every time in elders. Where do we engage? We say, this happened, do we engage? This happened, do we engage? This happened, do we engage? And almost always, and I really appreciate this in our guys. In fact, I think they're too, not because they're not brave, but I think they're too forbearing sometimes where they say, okay, we'll just let that simmer. Because what you do is you sort of look at it and you go, is this a matter of my own personal pride that's been hurt? Is this a matter of, you know, I just want more order in life and I don't like the messiness of people who are Christian? Is this just a matter of, I've had enough and I don't want it? Or is this a matter of, or you look at the person and you say, if I do this, will I ruin them so that they never come back for a year or two? And is it worth that, you know? So most of my life is spent trying to figure out whether I should indulge somebody's sin or not. Because you can break people, you can harden people, you can chase people away. The other side, though, is, is what happens is that sometimes people don't get the message and they, they, think it, they think that somehow their little sins stacking up aren't as big as a big sin. I'd rather somebody kill somebody and work with that than work with gossip over the course of five years. At least you got something to hold on to. And at least people don't say, well, I did not, and there must have been an understanding, I didn't really, and you must have heard wrong. No, no, we got a corpse, and it's cold. So now you got something you can deal with. Right? So, so, and partly, here, what would have been, had I engaged it, what would have been the response? The pastor's kid doesn't get special treatment. I've sat in that spot for 30 years. I'm an old person, so shouldn't I get to? I mean, you can think of a thousand dodges, but the reality was, it was an inhospitable moment. Right? The reality was, we don't have assigned seating. The reality is, if you want kids to love the church, love them. Right? That's the reality. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was another good one. Uh, 
Yeah, that's right. He never went back to that church again. That was his home church. He went to the school and, you know, blah, blah. But, you know, it was like, you know, it was tough even with my dad's funeral for him to go back to the church. And I completely get it. I mean, I completely get it. I mean, you grow up in the church your whole life. You give to the church. You go through the school. You go away to college. You get a ponytail. You come back and somebody says, uh, you, know, or, you know, it's kind of like the clutching your purse closer thing. It's like, okay. So, but, but so, so that's one side of the argument. Here's the other side. I mean, so just, there, so I just want you to observe that. And maybe you could be more, maybe I could be, man, if you see somebody you don't know, let's drop the excuse of, I've been here 10 years and it might be embarrassing that I don't know somebody. If you see somebody you don't know, it's time to engage. Because this is why. Everyone else knows when to stand and sit and bow and smile. And everybody else has someone to talk to during coffee hour. And there I stand, awkward and ill at ease, my introvert yelling at me to go home and curl up with a novel. Yeah? This can be especially torturous at Episcopal churches, which insist upon the theological sound but socially hideous ritual of passing the peace. <laughs> Okay, now I've warned you about this, and we finally put it. It was John Butcher who pushed me over the top with this after eight years. And there's nobody more pure-hearted than John Butcher. You know, and John comes, and one, he's big, and so you don't want to deal with that. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's nice, you know. He's the sweetest guy. He just said, you know, he said to me, and it was the thing that pushed me over the top. John said to me one day after, he said, you know what? He said, when I went to church at Illinois, and so partly I'm perking up because I got a college kid who's going to church, right? I'm like, do-do-do-do, okay, I should pay attention to this. He said, this was particularly meaningful to me, and I miss it. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, because this isn't what it is. You know the passing of the peace. What you, when you say peace be with you, it means I forgive you, and also with you means and I forgive you too. And that was the ritualistic, what's spoken of in the Bible as the kiss of peace, which, you know, we probably should kiss each other, but... Well, you know, I, you know, we can't quite figure that out, so we just shake hands. But the kiss, of, greet each other with the kiss of peace. It means I forgive you, you forgive me. It actually shouldn't be the socially awkward moment. Yes. When we were in Florida, I went to a very centered church there. Smaller congregation, but they did at the school, um, and they did the, the sign of the peace after the sermon and after communion. Right. They literally stopped the whole service. Everyone got up, hugged each other. They went all over the church hugging everybody. I, I was just shocked. Many people came up to me. They knew I, they didn't hug me. They did put out their hand because they didn't know who I was. Yeah, right. But they knew I was a visitor without, just because they knew everyone else in, in the church. And it was, I've never experienced anything like that. It was just amazing. Well, so you don't feel left out, I'm going to send Pat Jennings your way this Sunday. <laughs> he's, our de it's our, he's the DH, the designated hugger here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is, you know what, that's not, a, that's not a bad thing, especially if they move it out of the main service. In fact, if you all said amen after the benediction and hugged each other and chatted, I'd be fine with that. What I don't want, though, is um, people, what's happened in the liturgy is that you're focused at the altar where you're going to get forgiven. And this is the final, I forgive you and all is well. That's what peace be with you mean, means. So the way you describe it, I'm not against that it, when it's taken out of, when, it's, when it doesn't interrupt the rest of what's going on. And it sounds like in your case it didn't, and life was good. And so that's fine. Can you, will you go ahead and pull that shut? Thanks. Go ahead.
Really? You college kids. Next you'll be growing ponytails. Right. That's a good way to manage it. I must say that we have um, equal amounts of complaints and compliments about the pastors talking to people before the service. There are some people who, as they see us, they give us this. <laughs> which is, I've come to church to be with the little baby Jesus, and you're talking about whatever. And then there's other people who say, you know, I never would have got to talk to you if it wasn't for the three minutes before the church. So it's that sort of equally divided, and it does depend on the care. And I can see both sides of it. I can see people who come, and their whole life has been a hassle all week long, and what they want to is get focused on what's going to happen, and they're sort of doing the mental preparation, the spiritual preparation to engage the service. I can see that, and their pastor or anybody else should not be interrupting that. I can also see that what may be most beneficial for you when you come after that week you've been through is that maybe Marge hugs you. Yeah, I, can see that, I, see, I can see it both ways. So, and it depends on the character and how you do it. Personally, I'd probably prefer for that to happen afterwards because you've, you've sort of squared everything up and then just the time to linger and do all that. So you get, Jesus, you get Jesus and others and you kind of don't get it mixed up. Yes, please. Yeah, I know. Believe me. Let me just say to you, if you had six and a half million dollars, you can have a narthex. That's the bottom line. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there, yes, you could. We could have flashing lights. There's a smiling, handshaking. Yes, they could go across. This is this could be there could be like a beeper. It's please hug now. Boop. So you hug and yeah, we could. No, it is a point. I mean, it is. It is. Um, yeah. It could. Well, you know, there's always more to say on this. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes, not in the cold and flu season. We were talking about, you know, it's really? Yes, right, are they? Well, they need to get to the supper, and that'll cure them. Bring them. Summertime, they're all in. Yes? Hey, we don't need a book. We can talk on our own. Oh, okay, go ahead, yeah. 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 I'm a newcomer, and uh, you know, you know, we decided we're going to come here, even though you don't want us. You know, <laughs> you know, so, oh yes, I did say that. Yes, you were quoting me there. Yes, that's right. I did say that. Right. And be at ease as if they hadn't just missed right. you for 25 years. Right. Yeah, so right. But you're a church newcomer. I, I know how to Me, yeah, you it. actually do. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's actually really helpful, though. It is helpful. You're sitting in front of people you may just not have met that they actually are not new. Right. Or, or you, uh, I don't know, if someone says that, then... Well, my, you know, my favorite story about this is... is Paul Adelhelm and, and Pat Fullhart. Paul Adelhelm has been a member here, I think, 17 years, and Pat Fullhart, 24 years. 
Paul goes to the hospital. Pat Fullhart's his nurse. They've never met. He says, blah, 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 like a good guy says. Oh, and I go to St. John. She goes, blah, 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 blah. And I go to St. John, too. Okay, 17 years and 24 years, they've never met because she comes at 6 o'clock and he comes at 9 o'clock. How can they, how can they, they're both real active, great people. 17 years they've been crossing paths and they've never met. You know. Well, the thing is, you got to have four potlucks because, you know, because 745 people are only going to come at, you know. We've got to get to the early bird special by. I just, yeah. I know. This is, well, let's keep going, because I just there are, there are some different parts in this, you know. All right, so let's go. Right after the prayers of the people, right before the announcements, the Episcopal worshippers required to turn to the neighbor, shake a hand, and say, may the peace of the Lord be with you. If you know your fellow worshipers, this is a nice chatting break in the middle of the service. If not, you feel like a loser. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's just, so I just, first I just want to make you aware of how much courage it takes to come as a new person. Now, um, the petties are a little different because you're church people, and you're looking for a church, and you're looking for a school, and it's in you. And it's still a little uncomfortable because, frankly, you're wondering if we have two heads. But it was easier because we had a group. I mean, well, you did have a group, yes, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. At least you have somebody to talk to. You can busy yourself with a, with a child. <laughs> oh, your nose is running. We've got to go now. So, uh, but I, it is. It's horribly difficult. If you could just observe how hard that is. So the, the first bit of hospitality may just be the awareness of other people. You know, I know, you know, just think about, you know, just, just think about what it looks like, okay? And there is. People from the South have told me about this, this whole idea of being much more open than, than maybe we are. You know, we always think of ourselves as very kind and open. But people from the South regularly remark to me, how cool people are in this area. Really? Yes, okay then. All right. So you're, yes, right. So the decision is do we want to be fake early or fake late? Okay, we got to figure that out. That's something we'll be working on here. Go ahead. Okay, I'm really sorry, but I have got to say this in defense of this church. I have been to a lot of churches. Yeah. Okay, I'm a job hopper, I'm a church hopper. Not anymore, you're not. Hey, where's that ball and chain we gave you? Huh? I have been to a lot of churches, and most of them would swarm me to work the daycare, and they'd be all nice to me up front, but you know what? They never were nice. This church has been the best church. I have made, you know what? No, people don't like to swarm you when you walk in, but I have, the people here are the most hospitable that I've seen at any church, so I'm defending this church here now. Yeah, I know you've made comments about how we're not like, you know, I heard you like in the new members class, you know, we need to be more, you know, people complain that we're not, you know, <coughs> that's not true. I, the people here have been the best. The Do you know that I've been meaning to talk to you about the daycare, though? <laughs> <laughs> there are openings available, yeah. Well, I'm glad actually you think of that. So we can, yeah, but we can, it, it can be better, but we also, here's the thing, and you observed it early with your, yeah, but you're, you're, you're yeah, you do, I, I stay out of my space, but I want to also observe there are different kinds of people in the world. I mean, and your comment about men sort of shows it. So there are people who, if you're not demonstrative right away, are going to get the sense that, yeah, so you have to, you have to 
at least get under people's skin enough to figure out what kind of person they are and how you can handle them. You need a little bit of savvy here. This isn't sort of the, we're dropping this from a helicopter like at the Rolling Stones concert when I was in college and I skipped and then they, oh, never mind. So it's not like that, you know. You have to figure out who you're dealing with and then some people are going to need what you need and some people are going to need what other people need and we need to, you know, we need to at least show them, I mean, and actually your story about the hugers and the, then the hug less. I bet if you stayed there a couple of weeks, you would turn into, yes, you would, that's right. You'd be transformed. But they were careful not to, you know. Yes, right. Yes, please. Oh, T-Wiz, okay. Okay, get that on the table now, okay. Absolutely right. And the more skilled you are uh, in defense of the five languages of love, the more skilled you are as a Christian, the more able you are to engage that, even if it's uncomfortable for you. We, you know, we, you know, we talk a big ball game about making ourselves uncomfortable. Then we have a capital campaign and we got people who shut down, but we also get people who get up and say, man, am I uncomfortable. Here we go. You know, I, we are asking all sorts of people to do uncomfortable things. In the same way, newcomers come in. You got a choice. You can tend your kid's runny nose and use that as a dodge, or you can say, you know, can you just like sniffle for a second because I got to take care of this person who I've never seen before. And there, there is a maturity in that, and you know, that begins with an awareness. I mean, and you're right. You do. People are different, and they need to be engaged in different ways. And see, part of that is losing the notion that I'm right about everything. And there's one way to live life, right? See, Christ is non-negotiable, but beyond Christ, lots of other things are negotiable in the church. A lot is negotiable. You're right, you're right. And it does have to do with being living outside ourselves in somebody else's skin. It does, you know? All right, let's just let's just keep going. Actually, I got I have a 10:30 off campus that I've got to be at. So I want to do the last page and then we'll come back. Go ahead. I thought this was brilliant. We did that. Well, we did. Yeah, the, I did this. Yes, I did this upstairs in Bible study, but then I didn't push it as far all the way to creation. And I wish I would have. You remember in Bible study? I don't know. Th two months ago, I did one of the things I did was hospitality as a foretaste of the divine life. So what your what what creation does? And I guess I did say this much was. You have, the, you have perfect love and perfect hospitality within the Holy Trinity. In fact, Augustine went so far as to say that the Holy Spirit is the divine love that passes back and forth between the Father and the Son. Like, yes, right. So in the Holy Trinity, you have perfect love, perfect hospitality, perfect selflessness. You, you try to imagine the conversation that sends Jesus to the cross. Karl Barth has this great, great bit. It's maybe some of the best 50, 60, 70 pages I've ever read on what happened between the father and the son. When the father says to the son, this is going to go badly for you. And the son says, 
well, better badly for me than for them. And then the father says, this will grieve me in a way that, you know, and the son says, well, better you grieved about me than about, and there's this back and forth and the great sadness of how the father suffers his own son's death on the cross. I mean, that kind of, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, the depth of that that then offers the hospitality of salvation to somebody like you, it is entry into the divine life. I mean, that, that is what the divine life is. When we talk about being before the face of God in perfect love, in perfect light, in perfect truth, that is what you get. I mean, you cannot, there will be a sensation, you know, there will be a sensation beyond intellect. I'm talking about an emotional sensation to be in the presence of God, which will be something you and I have never experienced before. You, you take whatever it is, if you can imagine if you can remember a moment when you loved deeply and were loved and you thought to yourself, this is perfect. And if you can magnify that more times than you can ever imagine, that's part of what heaven will be like. Because it, it's the pulse of the divine love that surrounds you and then binds you to God and to everybody else. That's what happens in the Eucharist. That's why we talk about it as a foretaste of the feast to come. You love people that you would hate in any other venue. So creation, it is true, and I push this all the way out to the creation of other people. It's the creation of other people. There, you know, this is crea Christians and Jews have one theological basis: hospitality, creation. Actually, the, the the basis has to be pushed farther back. It has to be pushed into the divine life. In the words of one rabbi, everything God created is the manifestation of His kindness. The world is one big hospitality in. That's brilliant stuff. The Christian doctrine of the Trinity, we, we find another resource for hospitality. The Trinity shows God in relationship with himself. Our three-in-one God has welcomed us into himself, invited us to participate in the divine life. And so the invitation that we as Christians extend to one another is not simply an invitation into our homes, into our tables. What we ask of other people is that they enter into our lives. And the rest of the chapter is a meditation on that. And that is brilliant. You see, and this... Um, Andrew, this gets at kind of what you were saying then, because both of the things you described are wrong. You described them well, and they're both wrong, which is, um, I'm keen on you at the beginning, but you can only go so far with me, or I'm not keen on you, and you can still only go so far. I just, I want, I want to read, and actually I'm going to run this as the stewardship comment almost in full next week. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit of Bible study next week. But look at, look at, um, look at 51. I just thought... This is somebody who is so in touch with what's going on in their lives. I don't find inviting people into my life much easier than inviting them into my apartment. Okay? At its core, I think cultivating an intimacy in which people could know and be known requires being honest. That is brilliant. Our base problem is that we're dishonest. Our, you know, want to know what we're best at? You know what the best natural attribute, attribute any of us have? Self-deception. Right? What you think you're doing and what you think your motives are and your own pure heartedness and you think you're telling the truth. What we're best at is lying to ourselves and other people. And to invite somebody in close is to risk being found out. This is her little gig about my clothes are still on the bathroom floor. What, it, what is that about? That is about you don't want, I didn't mean to look in your direction. That is about. <laughs> That, Let's just say I saw myself. 
let, let, but, what, but the other thing is, is when is the last time I said anything to you about your clothes on the bathroom floor? It's been years. Because that's just part of who you are. Even though I would prefer that everything were hung in its proper place, linear order, and, you know, okay, but you know what? But the thing is, is, that's, if that is intimacy, that is honesty, it is who, it's who you are at base. And what frightens us about hospitality is that somebody will find out what we really are. And if they find out what we really are, they won't love us, right? And community will get fractured. And then the great answer to that, of course, is forgiveness. And with forgiveness, we can love other people. And here's the thing. When I can look at you or you and say, in your weakness, I still love you, which you know is the basis of a great marriage. You say that you don't love people in their best moments. In a great marriage, you love people in their worst moments, right? And your best friends, you love your best friends when they are horrible, right? Okay? That's what hospitality is. That's what love is. It, it really, I mean, this is so brilliant because she gets, she gets to what it's about. It's about honesty. Practicing that other Christian discipline of telling the truth about where we live and how we got there. Often I'd rather dissemble. Dissemble is a word for, I'd rather be hypocritical or put up a front. Often just as I'd rather welcome guests into a cozy and cute apartment worthy of Southern living. That, isn't that what you'd like? Don't you wish you had a room? Did you have a room growing up that was only for guests? We had a living room. You go in, you turn right. The kids never went in there. That was for guests. You could sort of, it was a brilliant architectural move, which is you could hide the rest of the house. So long as the kids and the dog didn't go into that room, <laughs> that room would always be okay. So then we could always be perfect, of course, right? Yes, that's right. A good, again, a good lock and key would help that as well, right? Often I'd rather dissemble. Often I'd just rather welcome guests into a cozy, cute apartment worthy of Southern living. I'd rather show them a Lauren who is perfect and put together and serene. Often telling the truth feels absurd. That is so good because it's so true. If I tell you who I am, just who I, who I really am, I just will sound absurd. Uh, just not too long ago, Griff and I were at a New Year's, e New Year's party, attended, it seemed, by just about everybody we knew. People were sipping malt cider and playing charades and discussing resolutions. And the new leaves, they would turn over. And at one point, a curvy, red-headed 20-year-old who happened to have known Griff for a million years and who happened also to be my student. So you can just feel this press, right? This is just, I mean, what a great buildup. Threw herself off the dance floor and into Griff's arm and for an entirely innocent and very 20-year-old appropriate, which is a great way to describe that, <laughs> New Year's hug. Okay, you just, that just, there's just an image there. And if you need, don't have that image, you should go hug a 20-year-old today, okay? Because <laughs> you'll remember what that was like, okay? For me, that's a career ender, but I advise it for any of you, okay? Okay, so you just, I mean, just think this through. This is, I can see this, I can see this happening in real time. This is great. The next week I was chatting about some school matter with the redhead. Let's call her Rita Hayworth. This is so good. <laughs> okay, so this is great. You know, the honesty in this, it just is so great. I was in mature, collected, professional mode. My hair was even in, a, and I don't even know how to say this. Chignon? This is like when it's pulled back, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh, you know, the stuff you learn. And was not expecting Rita to ask sweetly if I felt uncomfortable about the hug. <laughs> Isn't this great? Isn't this so good? 
I want it to sound like a grown-up, which is, of course, what all you're doing on Sunday because all you want to be perfect because you're here on Sunday and you're at church and what will people think about you if your kids, you know, spill Cheerios on the floor, right? Because you want to be perfect because you want people to love you. Even if they could never love you if you weren't perfect, could they? Because after all, this is the church and if you're not perfect, get the hell out of here, okay? <laughs> I wanted to blandly laugh and say, no, not at all. Don't be ridiculous. This is great. But some instinct told me to risk transparency with Rita H. That if I couldn't tell her the fa faintly lame and fairly embarrassing truth about my silly, sad emotions, how was I ever going to be able to tell the truth about something big? That is pure Jesus. Faithful in little, faithful in much. So I tried. I told her that actually when she took the flying dance floor leap into Griff, I felt old and uncool and insecure. Isn't that interesting? It's not about what she doesn't mention is something flirtatious or sexual. She mentions about where she is in her own life. This is sort of your mid-30s, what's happened to me kind of deal. This is your mid-30s, I'm not 20 anymore, right? And also wondered all sorts of things about boundaries and friendship. And I wanted to kill them both. <laughs> this truth-telling, to be sure, didn't change the world, but it did push me and Rita a bit closer to real knowledge about one another. Now I come all the way back to your question about truth-telling. You know why I don't tell you the truth? Because it might fracture you and it might fracture me. How would you like to be in a church where people told the truth? Wouldn't that be a fascinating situation? And I preach to this and I talk to this. What's that? It would be much more relaxing. It'd be mu it would be much more relaxing. You remember I, I slipped this into a sermon and for a reason, you know, a few, a few times ago about the difference between what's private and what's secret. And the difference is that private things, if everybody knew what was private, it would be okay. It would flourish. And if everybody knew what was secret, it would wither. And that's how you can tell whether you're lying or telling the truth. It's all right. I'm going to talk to him. So, uh, <laughs> this is great, man. The way to tell the difference between if you're lying or telling the truth is if it came out, would people all nod along? I'm talking about reasonable, mature, normal Christian people. Would they nod along and say, okay, or would they say, wow, that, that is really dark? That's the difference between what's secret and what's private. You disagree. Yes. And then we moved on to no elephants in the living room. I heard it all. How'd that go? It's that's the only reason my family survived. I mean, it's exactly. It's, what's to hide? There's nothing you, to hide. You know exactly. Nothing to worry about. Yes. I've heard it all. Do you know how hard it is I'm to keep lying? Exactly. Right. But you're not. But you're not everybody. I'm what everybody could be. Yes, you are. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. But you know why? Because that's what you want. Because you want that in your life. You want that in your church. You want that in yourself. Because that's what you want. Because that's what you prize. Because you're not afraid of it. No. Right. people would Billions and billions. This is, this is the difference between the Christian life and the non-Christian life. And the greatest fraud in the church is that we can't tell the truth. Yes, bring, that is the other because side. Because it's the, we don't just let them like. Exactly. Get nervous. 
nervous and go. But oh, good. So now the question. Now we go all the way back to the question about the person who stood over my son, and the Christian decision about whether you engage him or not, and it has to be about them. With what sort of gentleness can you say? Or do you wait for it to happen ten more times and then you suddenly wait for a good moment and sidle up to him? Yeah, that's a, this is Christian care for each other. But here's the danger point. You want to know the danger point? The danger point is the difference between forbearance, which is watching it and looking for an opening and giving the right care at the right time and letting the elephant sit in the room. The difference between saying there's no elephant there and I'm just going to bide my time till I get a clear shot with my big elephant gun is the difference between truth and lie, it is the difference between night and day, it is the difference between church and not church, it is the difference between sin and grace. That is the difference. I have a proposal. Wow. We put someone else's kid in that pew. Oh my gosh. The next time. <laughs> <laughs> and then it can be pastoral care. You know, you are, you're a hell raiser. You from way back, you are. You've got some, you've got some, you've got some. That is, you know, that is brilliant, actually. It seems like self-pleading right. or self-interest. Right. Yes, that's right. Right. But you have to want this. This is the difference is in the wanting of it. Because if you don't want it, you'll just ignore it, or you'll so push it away. I mean, how do we all grow up? Most of us grow up basically telling lies about ourselves, about our families. Yes. Yes. But yes. But the community has to want that. You have to consciously say, that is the community I want. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. But in the long run, it is how you survive as a person, as a family, as a community, as a church. That is how you survive. And the other way is not God-pleasing, and this is. And so if you say the issue is the care as opposed to the issue is sweeping about this under the rug or lying about it, those things are night and day. Okay? Yes, please. Nobody wants that spot. <laughs> you can have it. Yeah. But there's a nice little lady we noticed that we just sat there. We sat in her seat once. I mean, well, because she was communion. And she didn't, I mean, she didn't complain. I mean, we are like, well, she'd sit next to Betty. You know, we, we sit, we want to sit in front. We sit at the other end, and we felt bad when we took her seat. Yeah. We want to, so even though that person feels like that's my seat, I want to sit here, they may have a good reason, like she's first seen and hearing. If you can, but you need to be brave enough to say then, you know what, I can't walk or I can't hear and right. i got to sit here, is that okay? To which you would say, well, of course. Yeah, of course you'd give that up. But that's just being honest as opposed to being teed up. Go ahead. I just thought it would be really funny if the next morning they came in and there was a little um, <laughs> sticky note with their name Oh, on my it. gosh. No, yeah, this is so devious, this is. Listen. Yes, go. So, 
sometimes, you know, dealing with people like it, well, I find sometimes that it's 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 better to mm. use humor and, and and to and to let other people know, like Elizabeth, Elizabeth, my best friend. Yeah. Her house is a pizza. I'm the only one allowed. Let to me cover house. this microphone. Yes. Okay. But that's because she comes into my house. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of funny. That's right. You know, we get, and it's kind, it's, it's like sometimes when you see that in other people, it's almost better to kind of wink at them and go. Yeah, it's our little deal. Covered. Exactly. You know. But here's the deal, and but the bottom line like is. It opens it, and they're they're kind of like, oh, you saw me. You right. I'm okay. Right. You're like, yeah, you're cool, man. And the difference between that is when Jesus talks about Matthew 18 about going to your brother. The key thing there is that you go so you'll be reconciled. So you go to save him and not to destroy him. So your friend knows that you go into her house not to destroy her because you want to tell everybody else that her house is a mess. Right. She knows that you're coming to save her. You're going to be a friend in the midst of her mess, yeah. which is to love her in a way that nobody else can love her. Like you're talking about you love them for their, even their worst stuff, and that is so true because when, when any of my friends like really misbehave, I'm like, oh, you rascal. How are we going to get you out of this now? Exactly, which you is then to have not be alone in your sinfulness. I want to read this and I got to go. My 1030 will think I've deserted them. Standing there with Rita Hayworth, <laughs> I understood why Julianus Pomeranus, Pomerius, sorry, had spoken of hospitality as unbending oneself. I read that the first time and I had no idea. When, that's earlier in the chapter. I had no idea what they meant. Now I, when she said it, I, I got it. In this unbending, there was a genuine return to Haknaset or Kim to an inviting of guests. The irony is that the unbending requires inviting my neighbors into the very places where I'm most bent. Isn't that great? That's community. You're, you, you're, you, you, this is exactly what you just said. So you, you say, what's, my, what's the worst of me? And I'm willing to let you see the worst of me. Not because I'm embracing my worst. You have to be very careful. It's not because I'm persistent in my worseness. It's that I know that I'm, I'm being honest, that I'm not perfect. I know that there are things about me that, are, that need to be forgiven, and there are some things I just, I just don't do well day after day, and I'll allow you to see that with the knowledge that you'll love me, indulge me, and even still be hospitable to me, that you'll still be my friend, right? So you see that asking people into my life is not so different from asking them into my apartment. Like my apartment, my interior life is never going to be wholly respectable. Boom. Stop expecting everybody else to be perfect. Stop expecting yourself to be perfect. But at the same time, don't use that as an excuse for your imperfections. Recognize it as you live a life that needs to be forgiven. Never wholly respectable, cleaned up and gleaming. But that is where I live. That's where I live too. In the certitude of God, I ought to be able to risk issuing the occasional invitation. That is... That, you know, you live and die for people who can write like that, who can think like that. i got to go. Let's pray. You can do whatever you want after this, okay? <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See ya.